Welcome back, guys, to the Nighttime Short Stories Podcast with me, Ash Pauls, where every Friday night at 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I read for you a short story from authors from long ago to present day. And this week, we are starting with our first female author, And I'm excited to share more about her life because she's a very interesting woman who came from a different background than most writers, which I really like. But she still fell into this beautiful sort of mindset that it comes with being a writer. And the author I'm speaking of for this week is Daphne du Maurier. You guys know her mostly probably from the short story, The Birds, which of course Alfred Hitchcock put into a movie as well as many others of her stories. But this week I'm going to read something else and it's called The Old Man. Of course, as usual, if you or someone you know are a short story writer and would like to have your short story and yourself showcased on the show, you can do so by emailing me in the podcast description or emailing me at bookashpauls at gmail.com. That's bookashpauls, P-A-U-L-S, at gmail.com. Of course, again, thank you to everyone watching. I really appreciate the amount that this is getting seen and put out there. If you know of someone who may like this, please be sure to share it out. But with that, let's get started, shall we? The Old Man by Daphne du Maurier Did I hear Jan asking about the old man? I thought so. You're a newcomer to the district here on holiday. We get plenty of these days during the summer months. Somehow they always find their way eventually over the cliffs down to this beach, And then they pause and loo from the sea back to the lake, just as you did. It's a lovely spot, isn't it? Quiet and remote. You can't wonder at the old man choosing to live here. I don't remember when he first came. Nobody can. Many years ago, it must have been. He was here when I arrived, long before the war, perhaps. He came to escape from civilization, much as I did myself, or maybe where he lived before. The folks around made things too hot for him. It's hard to say. I had the feeling from the very first that he had done something, or something had been done to him, that gave him a grudge against the world. I remember the first time I set eyes on him and I said to myself, I bet that old fellow is one hell of a character. Yes, he was living here beside the lake, along of his missus, funny sort of lash-up they had, exposed to all the weather, but they didn't seem to mind. I had been warned about him by one of the fellows from the farm who advised me with a to give the old man who lived down the lake a wide berth. He didn't care for the strangers, so I went wanely, and I didn't stay to pass the time of day. Nor would it have been any use of it if I had, not knowing a word of this in the first place. The first tune I saw him, he was standing by the edge of the lake looking at the sea, and from tact I avoided the piece of planking over the stream, which meant passing close to him, and crossed to the other side of the lake by the beach instead. Then, with an awkward feeling that I was trespassing and had no business to be there, I bobbed down behind a clump of gorse, took out my spyglass, and had a peep at him. 
He's a big fellow, broad and strong. He's aged, of course, lately. And speaking of several years back, but even now, you can see that he must have been once such power and drive behind him and that fine head, which he earned like a king. There's an idea in that, too. No, I'm not joking. Who knows what royal blood he carries inside him, harking back to some remote ancestor, and now again, surging in him not through his own fault, it gets the better of him and drives him fighting mad. I didn't think about that at the time. I just looked at him and ducked behind the gorse when I saw him turn, and I wondered to myself, what went on in his mind, whether he knew I was there watching him? If he should decide to come up the lake after me, I should look pretty foolish. He must have thought better of it, though, or perhaps he did not care. He went on staring out to sea, watching the gulls and the incoming tide, and presently he ambled off his side of the lake, heading for the missus and home, maybe supper. I didn't catch a glimpse of her that first day. She just wasn't around living as they do, close and by the bank of the lake, with no proper track to the place. I hardly had the nerve to venture close and come upon her face to face. When I did see her, though, I was disappointed. She wasn't much to look at after all. What I mean is, she hadn't got anything like his character. A placid, mild-tempered creature, I judged her. They had both come back from fishing when I saw them and were making their way up from the beach to the lake. He was in front, of course. She tagged along behind. Neither of them took the slightest notice of me, and I was glad, because the old man might have paused and waited and told her to get on back home and then come down towards the rocks where I was sitting. You ask what I would have said had he done so? I'm damned if you know. Maybe I would have gotten up whistling and seeming unconcerned, and then with a nod and a smile, useless really, but instinctive, if you know what I mean, said good day and pottered off. I don't think he would have done anything. He just uh, stared after me with those strange narrow eyes of his and let me go. After that, the winter, the summer, I was always down on the beach or the rocks, and they went on living their curious, remote existence, sometimes fishing in the lake, sometimes at sea. Occasionally, I'd come across them in the harbor on the estuary, taking a look at the yachts anchored there and the shipping. I used to wonder which of them made the suggestion. Perhaps, suddenly, he would be lured by the thought of the bustle and life of the harbor and all the things he had either wantonly given up or never known. And he would say to her, today we are going into town, and she, happy to do whatever pleased him best, followed along. You see, one thing that stood out, and you couldn't help noticing it, was that the pair of them were devoted to one another. I've seen her greet him when he came back from a day's fishing and had left her back home, and towards evening she'd come down the lake and onto the beach and down to the sea to wait for him. She'd see him coming from a long way off, and I would see him too, rounding the corner of the bay. He'd come straight to the beach, and she would go out to meet him, and they would embrace each other, not caring a damn who saw them as they were touching. If you know what I mean, you felt there was something lovable about the old man. If that's how things were between them, he might be a devil to outsiders, but he was all the world to her. It gave me a warm feeling for him when I saw them together like that. You asked if they had any family? I was coming to that. It's about the family I really wanted to tell you because there was a tragedy, you see, and nobody knows anything about it except me. I suppose I could have told someone, but if I had, I don't know. 
they might have taken the old man away, and she'd have broken her heart without him. And anyway, when all said and done, it wasn't my business. I know the evidence against the old man was strong, but I hadn't positive proof. It might have been some sort of accident. And anyway, nobody made any inquiries at the time. A boy disappeared, so who was I to turn busybody and informer? You try to explain what happened, but you must understand, not all this took place over quite a time, and sometimes I was away from home or busy and didn't go near the lake. Nobody thought or occurred to take any interest in the couple living there but myself. So that it was only what I observed with ray-down eyes that made this story. Nothing that I heard from anybody else, no scraps of gossip or tales about them behind their backs. Yes, they weren't always alone as they are now. They had four kids, three girls and a boy. They brought up the four of them at that ramshackle old place by the lake, and it was always a wonder to me how they did it. God, I've known days when I ram-lashed the lake into little waves that burst and broke on the muddy shore nearby their place and turned the marsh into a swamp and the wind driving straight in. You'd have thought anyone with the ounce of sense would have taken his missus and his kids out of it and gone off somewhere where they could get some creature's comforts at least not the old man if he could stick it i guess he decided she could too and the kids as well maybe he wanted to bring them up the hard way mark you they were attractive youngsters especially the young girl i never knew her name but i called her tiny and she had so much to go to her chip off the old block in spite of her size i can see her now as the little thing the first to venture paddling on the lake on a fine morning, way ahead of her sisters and her brother. The brother I nicknamed Boy, he was the eldest, and between you and me, a bit of a fool. He had the looks of his sisters and was a clumsy sort of fellow. The girls would play around on their own and go fishing, and he'd hang around in the background not knowing what to do with himself. If he possibly could stay around one near his mother, proper mother's boy, that is, that's why I gave him the name. Not that she seemed to fuss over him any more than she did the others. She treated the four alike as far as you could tell. Her thoughts were always for the old man rather for them. But the boy was just a great baby. And I have an idea. He was simple. Just like his parents. The youngsters kept themselves and kept to themselves and never ran into them. I dare say but the old man, they knew to own the beach as their own and played. And I might have had a temptation, I thought, in full summer when people ventured over to the cliff to the beach to bathe and picnic, I suppose, or those strange reasons best known to himself. The old man warned them to have no truck with the strangers, and they were used to me pottering day in and day out, fetching driftwood and that. And often I would pause and watch the lads playing by the lake. I didn't talk to them, but they might have gone back told the old man. They used to look up when I passed by, then glance away again, sort of shy. All but Tiny. Tiny would toss her head and do a somersault just to show off sometimes. And I watched her as they went off. The six of them, the old man and the missus. Boy, the three girls, for days fishing out to sea. The old man, of course, in charge. Tiny eager to help. Close to her old dad, the missus, looking about her to see if the weather was going to keep fine. And the two other girls alongside and boy. Poor simple boy, always the last to leave the home. I never knew what sport that they had. They used to stay out late, but I'd have left the beach by the time they came back again. But I guess they did well, and they must have lived almost entirely on what they caught. Well, fish is said to be full of vitamins, isn't it? Perhaps the old man, a food fattest in his way. 
Time passed and the youngsters began to grow up. Tiny lost something of her individuality then, and it seemed to me she grew more like her sisters. They were nice-looking trio, all the same. Quiet, you know, and well-behaved. As for Boy, he was enormous, almost as big as an old man, but with what a difference. He had none of his father's looks or strength or personality. He was nothing but a great clumsy lout, and the trouble was, I believe, the old man was ashamed of him. He didn't pull his weight in the home, I'm certain of that, and about fishing, he was perfectly useless. The girls would work away like busy be beetles with Boy, always in the background making a mess of things. If his mother was there, he just stayed by her side. You could see it rattled the old man to have such a loaf of a son. Stayed it to him, too, because boy was so big. It probably didn't make sense to his intolerant mind. Strength and stupidity didn't mix together in any normal family. Of course, boy would have been born by now and gone out to work. I used to wonder if they argued about it back in the evenings, the missus and the old man, or if it was something never admitted between them, but tactically understood that boy was just no good. Well, they did leave home at last, at least the girls did. I'll tell you how it happened. It was a wise day in late autumn, and I'd happened to be over doing some shopping in the little town overlooking the harbor, three miles from this place, and suddenly I saw the old man, the missus, the three girls and boy all making their way up to Pont. That's at the head of the creek going eastward from the harbor. There are a few cottages at Pont and a farm and a church up behind. The family looked washed and spruced up. So did the old man and the missus. And I wondered if they were going visiting. If they were, it was an unusual thing for them to do. But it's possible they had friends or acquaintances up there, of whom I knew nothing anyway. And that was the last time I saw of them on the fine Saturday afternoon making for Pont. Blew hard over the weekend, a proper easterly gate. I kept indoors and didn't go out at all. I knew the seas would be breaking good and hard on the beach, and I wondered if the old man and the family had been able to get back. They would have been wise to stay with their friends up Pont if they had friends there. It was Tuesday before the wind dropped, and I went down to the beach again. Seaweed, driftwood, tar, and oil all over the place. It's always the same after an easterly blow. I looked up the lake towards the old man's shack, and I saw him there with the missus, just by the edge of the lake, but there's no sign of the youngsters. I thought it was a bit funny and waited around in case they should appear. They never did. I walked right around the lake and from the opposite bank I saw a good view of the place and even two out of my old spyglass to have a closer look. They just weren't there. The old man was pottering about as he often did when he wasn't fishing and the missus had settled herself down to bask. There was only one exclamation that had left me without any friends on the pond and they had sent the family for a holiday. I can't admit can't help admitting I was relieved because for one frightful moment I thought maybe they'd start off back home on that dreary night and got stuck by the gale and well that the man and his missus had got back safely but not the kids. It couldn't be that though. I should have heard someone would have said something. The old man wouldn't have been pondering there in his old unconcerned fashion and the missus basking in the sun. No, that must have been it. They left the family with friends or maybe the girls and boy had gone up country, gone to find themselves jobs at last. Somehow it left a gap and I felt sad. So long now I'd been used to seeing them all around, Tiny and the others. I had a strange sort of feeling they'd gone for good. Silly, wasn't it? To mind, I mean, there was the old man and his missus and the four youngsters, and I'd more or less watched them grow up, and now for no reason they had gone. I wish then I knew even a word or two of his language so that I could have called out to him neighbor-like and said, 
I see you and the missus are on your own. Nothing wrong, I hope. But there, it wasn't any use. He'd have looked at me with strange eyes and told me to go to hell. I never saw the girls again. No, never. They just didn't come back. Once, I thought I saw Tiny somewhere up the estuary with a group of friends, but I couldn't be sure if it was. She'd grown. She looked different, I tell you. What I think... I think the old man and the missus took them with a definite end in view. That last weekend, and either settled them with friends or the new, and they told them to shift for themselves. I know it sounds hard, not what you remember for your own son and daughters, but you have to remember, old man was a tough customer, a law unto himself. No doubt he thought it would be for the best, and so it probably was, and if only I could know for certain what happened to the girls, especially Tiny. I wouldn't worry. But I do worry sometimes because of what happened to Boy, you see. Boy was full enough to come back. He came back about three weeks after that final weekend. I'd walk down through the woods, my, my usual way, but down to the lake and straight out to the feeds from a higher level. I rounded the lake by the marshes to the north, some distance from the old man's place, and the first thing I saw was Boy. You are listening to the Nighttime Short Stories podcast that goes out every Friday night at 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to check out the Facebook page, the Nighttime Short Stories podcast, so that way you guys get to know more about the bio information, poetry, art, and lots of other interesting facts and cool tidbits that we share every day throughout the week of the author that's being showcased at that time. Again, I thank you for watching and let's get on with the story. He wasn't doing anything. He was just standing by the marsh. He looked dazed. He was too far off for me to hail him. Besides, I didn't have the nerve, but I watched him as he stood there in his clumsy, loudish way. And I saw him staring at the far end of the lake he was staring into the direction of the old man. The old man and the missus with him took not the slightest notice of boy. They were close to the beach by the plank bridge and were either just going out to fish or coming back. And here was boy with his dazed, stupid face, but not only stupid, frightened. I wanted to say, is anything the matter? But I didn't know how to say it if I stood there like boy staring at the old man. Then what we both must have feared would happen happened. The old man lifted his head and saw Boy. He must have said a word to his missus because she didn't move. She stayed where she was by the bridge, but the old man turned like a flash of lightning and came down the other side of the lake towards the marshes, towards Boy. He looked terrible, and I should never forget his appearance. That magnificent head I had always admired, now angry, evil. He was cursing Boy as he came, I tell you. I heard him. Boy, bewildered and scared, looked hopelessly about him for cover. And there was none, only the thin reeds that grew beside them. But the poor fellow was so dumb, he went to the tree and believed himself safe. It was horrible. I was just getting my own courage up to interfere when the old man stopped suddenly in his tracks. They would tell me not to interfere. Someone from the farm left when he got one. The old man was best old enough to take care of him that way with boy as convinced as he was the old man was no fighter he didn't know how 
how different boy was. I waited quite some time beside the lake, but nothing happened. It began to grow dark. It was no use my waiting there. The old man and the missus left the bridge and went on home. Boy was still standing there in the marsh by the lake's edge. I called to him softly. It's no use. He won't let you go in back to Pont or wherever it is you've been. Go to some place anywhere, but get out of here. He looked up, the same queer, dazed expression on his face, and I could tell he hadn't understood a word I said. I felt powerless to do anything, and I went home myself. But I thought about boy all evening, and in the morning I went down to the lake again, and I took a great stick with me to give courage, not that it would have been much good, not against the old man. Well, I suppose they had come to a sort of agreement during the night. There was boy by his mother's side, and the old man was pottering on his own. I must say it was a great relief, because after all, what could I have said or done? If the old man didn't want Boy home, it wasn't really his affair. If Boy was too stupid to go, that was Boy's affair. But I blamed the mother a good deal. After all, it was up to her to tell Boy he was being in the way. And the old man was one of his moods. And Boy, the best he get out while the going was good, but I never did think she had great intelligence. She did not seem to show much spirit at any time. However, what arrangement they had come to worked for a time. Boy stuck close to his mother. I suppose he helped her at home. I don't know. The old man left them alone and was more and more to himself. He took to sitting down by the bridge, humped staring into the sea with a queer brooding look on him. He seemed strange and alone. I didn't like it. I didn't know what his thoughts were, but I'm sure they were evil. It suddenly seemed a very long time since he and the missus and the whole family had gone fishing, a happy, contented party. Not everything had changed for him. He was thrust out in the cold, and the missus and boys stayed together. I felt sorry for him, but I felt frightened, too, because I felt it could not go on like this. Indefinitely, something would happen. One day I went down to the beach for driftwood. It had been blowing in the night, and when I glanced towards the lake, I saw the boy wasn't with his mother. He's back where I'd seen him that first day on the edge of the marsh. He was as big as his father. If he'd known how to use his strength, he'd have been a match for him any day, but he hadn't the brains. And there he was, back on the marsh, a great big frightened foolish fellow, and there was an old man outside his home staring down towards his son with murder in his eyes. I said to myself, he's going to kill him. But I didn't know how or when or where, whether by night when they were sleeping or by day when they were fishing. The mother was useless. She would not prevent it. There was no use appealing to the mother. If only boy would use one little gram of sense and go. I watched and waited until nightfall. Nothing happened. It rained in the night. It was gray. It was cold and dim. December was everywhere trees all bare and bleak. I couldn't get down to the lake until late afternoon, and then the skies had cleared and the sun was shining and the watery way does in winter, just before setting below the sea. And I saw the old man there and the missus too, and they were close together by the old shack, and they saw me coming, for they looked forward. They didn't have time to look at the night of the lake as the time as I was going away, but I was sure I couldn't see boy, yet all the while I was aware of the old man watching me. He was dead strong and saw me standing there behind the reeds on his back, and there was a body, blood that ran from the body, and I suddenly shouted, it was a goddamn murder, you goddamn murder, there's blood, he stood there, snack with the missus, watching me. 
You'll want to know what I did when I went back and got a spade and I dug a grave for a boy. But the reeds behind the marsh and I said one of my own prayers for him, being uncertain of his religion. And when I had finished, I looked across the lake to the old man. And do you know what I saw? I saw him lower his great head and bend towards her and embrace her. And she lifted her head to him and embraced him too. It was both a requiem and a benediction and atonement and a giving of praise. And then strange way they knew they had done evil. And now it was over because I had buried boy and he's gone. They are free to be together again, and there's no longer a third to divide them. They came out to the middle of the lake suddenly, and I saw the old man stretch his neck and beat his wings, and he took off from the water full of power, and she followed him. I watched the two swans fly out to sea right into the face of the setting sun, and I tell you, it was one of the most beautiful sights I'd ever saw in my life. The two swans flying there, alone in winter. Until next time.